The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Good morning, Big 12 fans. Welcome into week two of First and 12. They brought us back for more. Alex Mitch Harper, Alex Keery. Exciting week in the Big 12 Conference. Texas might be back. BYU still looking for some answers after a at times difficult game against Southern Utah, but so much to unpack in the Big 12 Conference. I was late to the meeting this morning, so I'm going to hold myself out for this first quarter. Okay? Okay. <laughs> It happens. It happens. Uh, of course, the big news from last night for BYU fans is that they get the uh, – or from yesterday afternoon. It was in the afternoon, Mitch. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I will tell you right now, the weather guy said no cloud in the sky, no problem. And you know what? I was actually glad when the clouds rolled in because <laughs> people were baking out there uh, in the sun. And you know what? It got ni- it got kind of nice with the My wind My son was at around. the game. He had to go to first aid from heat. No, he didn't. No joke. He had to leave early. That's how you go. I'm going to need some of those popsicles. <laughs> Give me some of that frozen lemonade. He's doing okay, though. Max is doing all right. He is okay. He all is right. okay. Uh, we've got lots to get to, of course, uh, not the least of which is the rest of everything that went around, went on in the Big 12, uh, and that is, of course, uh, every week we're giving you those headlines, so let's just jump in right here. 12. 12 headlines. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The dozen storylines that shape this week of Big 12 football. Headline one. Texas is back. <laughs> Texas takes down Alabama 34 to 24. Is it that or is it that Nick Saban finally has lost Saber and he's Ooh. no good anymore? Alabama is now in the, in the same ranks as Clemson. I like that angle, actually. Quarterbacks coming off the field, not shaking hands with Nick Saban maybe <laughs> next. Is that what's going on? Maybe that's it. That that might be the better play. But you know what always happens. Whenever people say the Bama dynasty is done, then they just then they go to reel the off three for straight sure. titles. So <laughs> let's not say that. But I do think Texas, you know, they're they're for real. That talent is legit, and, and it showed itself down in T-Town, T-town. getting it done. Uh, you know what? And Sark, I mean, to his credit, he knew it was going to be kind of a heavyweight bout where he's going to get punched in the mouth. And they call the game, man. Saban's assistants do not do this very well and very often. And for Texas to beat them for the first time since, what, 1982? Mm-hmm. And by the way, Alabama hadn't lost a non-conference regular season game in 57 tries. Not bad for uh, for the guys down in Texas. And a former BYU quarterback. Have I mentioned that before? Sark played at BYU. All right, here we go. Headline number two. Headline two. Let's stay on that one, Mitch, and let's talk about whether or not Texas is a national title contender. If they do anything right, they're like usually a top 10 team. Now this one's going to be from 11, beating number three. I would assume that everybody's going to have them in a six, five, seven, five, six, seven kind of ish range, maybe even that four spot, something along those lines. I don't know where they're going to end up, but at the very least, there's going to be a lot of Texas love until they prove everybody else uh, what they used to be, which is. Kind of just coming up short, but we'll see. I'd put them at number one nationally because because person. they've got the best win on anyone's <laughs> resume, and and I, I think that what what I would say too: Do Big Twelve fans not like this though? That Texas might be really good going out. I think everyone would have liked. And hey, maybe it might be sweeter in Big Twelve play if Texas beats Bama they, as they did, and then they just start to maybe struggle in Big Twelve play. <laughs> they lose. They, 
they lose to K-State, they <laughs> lose to Texas Tech. Like, maybe it might just even be sweeter in Big 12 play, but they are for real this year. Well, here's the thing. Brett Yormark will go, look at that nice XII on the back of the helmet <laughs> while they're beating up on Alabama. I will say, though, you got to be dang excited about the prospect of the future of that game between yes. Alabama yeah. and Texas in the, uh, in the SEC if you're a football lover. Three. BYU takes down Southern Utah. Wasn't always pretty at times, but BYU gets it done and didn't have the same juice, the squeeze like Texas Bama, but it was still a, a good football game. For 1-16, the Cougars get it done. They moved to 2-0. and And uh, it sets up now 10 straight games of Power 5 opponents coming up for BYU, but take down the T-Birds and in-state foe who knew pretty much everything about BYU's offense. Four. That sets us up for number four. Also, that gives you what happened in that game, Keaton Slovis. 348 yards uh, through the air. Nice game for him. A rushing touchdown, by the way. Three now in two weeks for the guy who never had one before coming into BYU. Uh, More importantly, though, four touchdowns. A pick that really wasn't his fault, but uh, seemed to find his stride a little bit. And uh, there was a certain guy who he liked to hit his stride with. Headline five. That was Isaac Rex. Four catches for 112 yards. Career high for Isaac Rex. He now becomes... The t- tied for the all-time lead in most touchdown catches by a BYU tight end. He ties Gordon Hudson, 22 career touchdowns. Isaac Rex looks great. He is a player that looks like he's poised to be an NFL draft pick next year. Very high on what Isaac Rex is doing. Dennis Pitta seems like the tight end that never would have been eclipsed in really anything. You know, Obviously, the touchdowns that Gordon Hudson had weren't uh, bested by Dennis Pitta. So now you have to start to look and go, where is Isaac Rex in – uh, that kind of that, that the annals of history when it comes to tight ends, we'll see because he still has the rest of the season to kind of figure that out. But a nice start for Isaac Rex, actually looking like a tight end this this week. 112 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Uh, it's what got things going for that BYU offense, and uh, it was a nice one. Six, Texas Tech, they fall to Oregon. They were so close, weren't they? Tyler Shuck had a few interceptions. Jeffrey Bossa, local kid here in Salt Lake, he got the interception, the pick six for Oregon. The Ducks scored 20 points in the fourth quarter to take down Texas Tech, 38-30. to Heartbreaking loss for Texas Tech. The good news is that, you know, hey, you, you did fight. You showed some, some bounce back, some fortitude to come back after that devastating Wyoming loss. But still, you're, you're kind of being exposed as the team that always is that 7-5, and 8-4 Texas Tech team and nothing more. And that's what's difficult about this loss is that, it was a, a real opportunity to shift a narrative about that program, and they just couldn't cross that finish line against the Ducks. Seven. Kansas takes down Illinois on Friday night. It was a dominating performance from the Jayhawks. They were rolling, and then Illinois kind of made a run at it in the fourth quarter, but Kansas gets it done. Jalen Daniels, Big 12 preseason player of the year in the Big 12 he was back. Jason Bean was back to the, the second string. And Kansas, they stormed the field. They, they had people protecting their goal post. Yeah, you got Good settle. times in Lawrence right now. Yeah, but you got to settle down. Anytime you're storming the field because you beat the Illini, <laughs> I know that they're up. But come on. I, I'm with you there. You, you know, but hey. This is the kind of thing we try, we try to tell BYU fans. Sometimes you're like, hey, let's, get, let's pump the brakes on storming the field on every win. But you know what? Uh, I think what you're feeling here is that Kansas has got – Something going on. I love the idea. You know what? Even if you win a game, this is my new move. I'm just going to have security around a goalpost at all time. It's just like you can become a big-time guy. You just have security following you around. That's what BYU should do. They should uh, start hanging out and actually just have uh, security 
No, no, no. Don't touch the goalpost, everybody. I know this is a huge win here for you. Maybe that's the new way that they should be doing things at Laval Edwards Stadium. Headline eight. Boise State eking one out at the at the at the uh, at the horn. On the blue turf at Boise State, that's a great win for UCF. Who, yes. I mean, you could go up there and absolutely lay an egg. It is not a friendly place, especially for a team traveling up from Orlando. 2,600 miles. I mean, they made that long trip up, and they get the two-point win on the blue turf. That's about as good as it gets. Not knowing how great Boise State really is right now doesn't matter. They went on the road. UCF uh, get, taking care of business. Those, that's the one that was a scary one for them probably going into Sets this. the stage for, for UCF to be a real player in this conference. And, you know, they're taking care of business in non-conference, acting like a Power 5 team, and they get one at the final horn, last second field goal, 40-yarder. Big win for the Knights. Nine. Iowa State falls to Iowa, and it really wasn't close. Iowa only scored 20 points, but, again, that, that – Score watch for the Ferentz kid, the offensive coordinator. Will he get to 25 <laughs> points? He doesn't reach it in week two, but it sure looked like Iowa State was going to let it happen in gambling bowl one as the the Hawkeyes rolled to a victory over Iowa State. Those personal losses. I know that there was some legal issues maybe cleared up that could clear the path for guys like Hunter Deckers, the quarterback Coming for back. Iowa State, to yeah. come back. But still, the NCAA might say that they're not allowed. So, tough times right now for Iowa State. Ten. Cincinnati takes down Pitt. I was stunned by this one, Alex. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Cincinnati was supposed to still kind of be just chilling out and, uh, and, and you know, kind of getting themselves slowly back into being maybe one of these one of these better teams. But I'll tell you, 2-0 and right now in the last two weeks of wins for them, including this one over Pitt, not bad. They man. were up 27-7. They were rolling. They were dominating. <laughs> Emory Jones was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. This past week, and he had another great day. I mean, he had he was only 125 through the air, but he was dynamic on the ground, too. A dual-threat guy, and they had some good ground attack from Kilner, who had 153 yards. Bearcats, maybe they're proving me wrong so far in the Satterfield era. Now for the non-football headlines, and these might be my favorite. <laughs> 11. What's going on? They're going to be pumping some music in. DJ's going to be, this is Brett Yormark's fingerprints all oh, over, Oh, right? you know it. Big 12 homecoming. We've known about that for a minute. And <laughs> as you know, Brett Yormark, we got to have tent pull events. We're going to have, we're going to find new avenues for revenue. So at Big 12 homecoming, the, the newcomers, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, mm-hmm. BYU, they're all going to have these spectacle homecoming events. Well, going to UCF on September 30th, they're going to celebritize Big 12 homecoming DJ Pauly D from Jersey Shore fame is going to be DJing at the UCF game. That just screams the new Big 12, baby. I just, you know what would really, really, really do well is if you were there in Provo. But <laughs> yes. who knows what kind of music you're pumping in there because uh, are the Cougarettes going to be there? And headline number 12. So if you don't, if you're not familiar with the drama, the Cougarettes did not perform at the game yesterday. Dun, dun, dun. As I'm saying this, I'm like, what are we talking about? But you know, it was a big deal. Everybody's like, where are the Cougarettes? Free the Cougarettes! National uh, champion Cougarettes. I know. They're so gonna they- next year at the Big 12 Media Day. Your mark's gonna say, roll the commercial. We started at 12, and then <laughs> it's like, count them, seven national titles. That's the Cougarettes the all whole time. Cougarettes. So uh, they got in a little bit of trouble with the music they played. The, the lyrics weren't uh, the nasty lyrics that were on the music itself, uh, but they were asked not to perform this week. Uh, they're going to be restored to full power next week. They will be, and when they play Cincinnati in that Big 12 first home game at LES, they will be back in – I'm sure it'll be a, a viral moment. You know Cosmo's going to bring the heat. The man was – he threw a tire on his back and was doing push-ups on dumbbells. Like, Cosmo, hey, 
I know the Cincinnati Bearcat thinks he's got a claim as the national champion mascot. Cosmo is just leveling up in Big 12 era. The only thing my daughter wants to talk about is Cosmo jumping through fire last week. Okay? <laughs> We're going to take the break here. We'll come back. We've got so many more things to talk about this hour. We will break down that BYU football game in the next couple of segments here. It's first and 12 right here on KSL News Radio and on the KSL Sports Zone on 97.5. You can join us every Sunday right here or download the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. More to go. Stay with us right here. Sunday's just the start of the Big 12 at Power 5 Breakdown. Listen to Unrivaled Monday on your drive home. Afternoons 3 to 6 on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. It is first and 12 right here. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio. Alex Curie and Mitch Harper, thanks for being with us on the program. All brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store. Happy shopping. It's time for that uh, BYU game breakdown. Let's this one, for sure, we've been at least uh, able to, go to get to know a little bit. I had down, just penciled in, I had, we were going to talk a lot about Ryan Rico today. I had a lot, we were going to talk a lot about just punting in general. And I did it as a joke, but then we ended up having such great play on the punt coverage. <laughs> we'll get to that, okay? I'm a special teams hound, and so I love it. The biggest deal, of course, today, Mitch, and I'll ask you what your reaction is immediately. 348 yards uh, from Keaton Slovis through the air. Things got going on his side. I know that's a massive sigh of relief for BYU fans. It's got to be the biggest sigh of relief for Keaton Slovis, who already had to hear the rumblings of whether or not it was going to work out for him. Four, four picks, uh, uh, an interception that was, frankly, a protection issue more than anything, but uh, all accounts, spreading the ball around, lots of touchdowns by lots of different guys. Got to love what happened through the air for BYU. Keaton Slovis gave you proof that when given time, he can perform at a high level, and I think that's what you wanted from this game against Southern Utah and BYU you know, gets a decisive win, forty-one to sixteen, and and but the thing is, is that there's still concern for I think moving forward with this BYU offense because the passing a game was good, but I still feel like it, it didn't feel flawless at any point in the day against Southern Utah, and the ground attack was grounded. You know, Aiden Robbins didn't get a carry after the first quarter, and I asked Kalani. Why didn't he get a, a carry after the first quarter? He's like, I heard that question. That and, was he goes, gutsy of you. and he goes, I don't know. He goes, uh, oh, he didn't get a carry after the first quarter? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, and I get it. Like, I, I understand in that moment you, you, you forget some nuances to the game and you got to kind of go back and rewatch the, the film. But, I mean, I feel like BYU is, is the, with the way they're giving snaps to Aiden Robbins. Like, it wasn't even he wasn't getting carries. It was also he wasn't getting snaps. And it feels like they're shifting to L.J. Martin. That's what it feels like to me. Well, and L.J. You, Martin's performing at a higher level. I, uh, 100%. And because he then, at going after the, you know, I don't know, Mitch, <laughs> to the, look, we're going to have to reevaluate. That was the next part of, yeah. his, of his answer, right? We're going to have to reevaluate. And that means we're going to look at the tape. But we also probably saw the same thing you did. Because it wasn't just the, the three attempts for six yards. It was also a big drop inside the red zone, yeah. right? I mean, that, that's the part where you go – if I'm looking at if I'm looking at Aiden Robbins, and this is not a diss on this kid, this is not something he did wrong. No. It was, I mean, and, and what did you see? Very first carry from L.J. Martin, 17 yards, right? And then after that, he didn't have a carry for another six minutes. And so you go, okay, I know they're trying to feel things out, but this is the game to do it in. And I'm glad they're trying to figure some things out a little bit because what they did get going was the offense just overall uh, had an eat, put the brakes on before they got to 400 yards, right in the fourth quarter. And so that felt good with them. But when you go 23 attempts for, what was the total, 46, yeah. 47 yards, uh, and, and you essentially got doubled up on the ground by SUU. And and that's not like a, a zing moment here where I'm going to go, oh, you got dissed. What it is is they obviously are all scratching their heads on this one. 
Was it that the offensive line couldn't get a push? No, probably not. It seemed like the lanes were there for most of the day. But I, I am actually surprised that you didn't see as much uh, of that takeover, the O-line just pushing everybody around, and those gaps uh, and those cutback lanes bigger than they should be. I mean, I, here's the thing, too. I'm not going to give SUU more credit than they probably deserve. I think they busted their butt to get ready for this game. They are familiar with this offense because they run it. Yes, and that's a great point. And the thing is, is BYU, I, I just feel like there should have been a lot more explosive plays on the ground. Because the thing is, is I feel like you look at those two games, Sam Houston and Southern Utah, as you have to be not perfect. It's, it's coming out of the gates with a lot of new personnel. But at the same time, you have to be – just operating at a high level to where you're going to go into 10 consecutive weeks with Power 5 opposition. They've never done that before, and this is not going to get any easier with Arkansas, Kansas. Cincinnati had a big win over the weekend, looking a lot better than I think anyone expected them, knocking out Pitt, and we'll get to them later. But I just think that it was good, though, to see Slovis perform and put up numbers. And I also like, too, on the offensive side, tight end Isaac Rex. He's back to full strength. He looks like an NFL tight end. Four and catches for 112, right? He might be one of the best <laughs> tight ends in the Big 12 Ooh, this year. Isaac Rex nice. looks good, and, and I think that that's a nice luxury for BYU to have because what we saw in spring ball and fall camp where Slovis is targeting him a lot, that's carrying over to games. So uh, you just now got to get that ground attack going, and I, I'm very surprised that that group is not thriving because I just thought they were going to be so good, especially Aiden Robbins. What you saw also today, if I can keep heaping praise on uh, on Keaton Slovis's performance, because I do think that reacting this week to a, we know how we've performed in fall. We knew how we were performing in spring. They got live bullets last week. It didn't really look great. And then for this week to go, all right, relax. This is what we're going to go back to it. How nice was it to be able to throw to a familiar target in Keanu Hill? I know that Cody Epps wasn't back, but even just having him back, he throws immediately. Hill gets in there, gets a touchdown reception. Uh, one to Isaac Rex, who they used like a tight end today, right? Well, mm-hmm. That was kind of the other difference. They're not asking him to do a bunch of out routes. But I will say that up the middle throws, how about that 65-yard touch or the 65-yard almost touchdown to Isaac Rex? That uh, that wasn't me trying to diss him, by the way. The touchdown. Oh, bring it back. He knew exactly what was going he on. He blew it. He, he had an opportunity to get a big touchdown grab. What do you mean he blew it? it the downfield blocking by those wide I know, but he still should have made that play. they got to sacrifice their bodies. I'm no. going to have to give him a hard time this week when I catch up with him. because but how, how good of a dang throw was that? It was a laser. And, it I mean, getting Slovis. The needle. Keaton Slovis a has a lot of velocity, oh too, on his pass. A lot more than maybe I gave him credit for coming in. Uh, he's he's impressive in that regard. And I think that's where it was moments like that where the Jim Nagy's, the NFL evaluators say, that's an NFL quarterback. Stop focusing on the stats. It's moments like that. And if, but can you can you times that over the course of four quarters and do that consistently? That's the challenge for Keenan Slovis. But he gives you these moments where you just are left awestruck. And that's also how the coaches have felt, too, I think, with Keenan Slovis. And that's why last week against Sam Houston, and at times to open the Southern Utah game, there was probably some head scratching us going, what is happening here? But they tuned it, they, they turned it up, and, and Keenan Slovis was definitely impressive. We're going to have another breakdown segment to be able to t- chat a little bit more about the defense. But uh, quickly, before we 
get away from the offense, uh, that production that was there, spreading things out there. Who was the person that you looked at and you went, ah, that was a performer you didn't necessarily think a lot about during the week, but now you're you're, you're seeing a guy and he's making that, was it Lasseter, is it uh, Hill finally getting in there? Uh, is it even, you know, uh, I think about the guys who, who, who step in and Chase Roberts was like a quiet Really, really exceptional dude today. Also a guy who got a receiving touchdown. Darius Lasseter for me, I think that you know he's emerging as a solid maybe wide receiver three. I think BYU's best receiver is Chase Roberts right now. They're expecting to get Cody Epps back next week. That was some good news coming from Kalani Satake as you get ready for Arkansas next week. But I, I like what Lasseter's doing. He's getting better with each game because he was kind of just a role player even at Eastern Michigan. And I think, you know, for him to get in an elevated role, he's kind of taken the spot. Maybe I thought Keelan Marion, the UConn transfer, was going to get. Marion only had one target for 11 yards and one catch. Laster's really stepped up. He had a great touchdown grab, and he's got a lot of ties in the Big 12 Conference. His brother had an INT this weekend at Kansas, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But uh, this is a that big performance from Laster. He's stepping up, and BYU can count on him each and every week. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. A little bit more to break down of that BYU and uh, Southern Utah game. I thought that uh, I thought that Southern Utah showed up, especially second week in a row playing a big program. Uh, kudos to them for not just showing up, but being excited and ready for this thing. Uh, it's not easy to take on two big programs two weeks in a row. We'll come back. I do want to play what Kalani said about uh, about Aiden Robbins. We can bring that up. That was a, a Mitch question in the post game. Uh, you can hear him also talk about what Keaton Slovis had to say as well. So many more things to break down here for you right here. It is first and twelve. More to go around the corner. When we when we do return, we're going to have that breakdown. And we will talk a little bit more about that defense because I don't want to short those guys. Jay Hill's team uh, on that side of the ball doing a really, really good job. All of this brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store, the freshest fruits and vegetables from local farms, your favorite local brands. Macy's, happy shopping, first and 12 on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. More to go. Stay with us. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Sunday morning quarterback action coming at you first and 12. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend. Week two in the books for BYU football and the Big 12 Conference. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery holding it down here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. BYU takes down Southern Utah 41 to 16. The ground attack, as we talked about in the previous segment, was struggling for BYU. Aiden Robbins, where's he at? Kalani Sataki gave us the intel on Aiden Robbins. I don't know. I, I, I don't know all the answers right now for who carried what. I just want to see the ball carried with more intensity and get more yards. I have to watch the film, but we need somebody that can, that can carry the ball. Well, Mitch, there was your answer. Now, the, the rest of it was, we'll have to go back and evaluate. Sure. You saw explosive plays, and he's like, by other players. L.J. Martin. He didn't want – wasn't that interesting? He didn't really want to say, like – because the reality was is they kind of went with the three-headed monster, right? And mm-hmm. so – and Aiden Robbins just did not get the load. I don't know what happens during practice versus what has happened in these last two games. This is a guy who's run for a considerable amount of yards in his career and has had a lot of load of, of carries, too, at a place where he had not even close to the type of uh, of offensive line – and so, 
I, I'm scratching my head. I bet the coaching staff is as well. And to be smart about it, they go, look, we have to consider everything. We have to break down everything. And L.J. Martin, I would, I would be odds on favor that that guy would be starting and making that, uh, taking the first uh, carries next week against Arkansas. Why not? One thing, though, Alex, that I like about this BYU football team that excites me a little bit about this group, they're not peaking in September. How many times has BYU football peaked? In September, where they're about week two and they're riding high. Think about a year ago. They take down Baylor and Kalani's fielding questions. Kalani, are you ready to win the Big 12? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, they peaked in week two. They're nowhere close to peaking. Now, could it get worse? Sure, it it could. And and this might be the best. Who knows? We'll see how the season plays out. But I do like that they're 2-0 and there's still a chance to get a lot better. And there's a lot of room to grow. And I feel like BYU does have talent with a case – in point being Aiden Robbins, because once that guy's unleashed, he will be highly productive. I mean, he was getting all Big 12 preseason buzz from a lot of different outlets. You know, Phil Steele had him first team. There were some other people that voted him first team all Big 12. This is a good running back, and I'm not giving up on him, but I do think, though, the hot hand for BYU is LJ Martin because that kid, a freshman, it was fun talking with him earlier last week, too. And he was talking about he probably would have stayed at Stanford had his position coach been retained by Troy Taylor. But once the position coach was gone, that's when he's like, peace, I'm out, y'all. I'm going to BYU. So that was kind of an interesting tidbit because I think it's always attached to David Shaw. But L.J. Martin is legit, and I still believe in Aiden Robbins. I think he could turn it around if given the chance. Uh, Here was Kalani on the performance by his quarterback this week, uh, Keaton Slovis, who got much more efficient from week one to week two. If you give him time to throw, then he can do he can do it. Uh, the sad part about when he got hit and, and the, got the pick, I know where he was going for the ball, and I think it was going to be a big-time play for us. But uh, we need to find ways to keep him upright because when he's there and he can throw and he can deliver the ball with the right timing, he's, he's really, really good. You made mention of it. It was the when he has time, when he has time, he's something special. Not only that, uh, he does something that we haven't seen a quarterback do in, in a minute or be really, really comfortable at BYU and doing for a minute. He 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 loves a pocket, doesn't he? He does. He likes to live in that thing, and he likes to step up into it, and that's the part that uh, NFL scouts probably really like too. And you go, I'm going to be a little bit patient in here, and you know what? I'll take a couple steps forward, but I'm still going to honor this, and I've got a couple routes that are still open. You could see progressions today. I thought that the play calling by A-Rod was exceptional today versus last week. Everybody got better, including the coaching staff, so week to week. I agree, and and when you mentioned NFL scouts, the thing about Slovis, too, he's got a lot of eyes from the NFL watching him. Every BYU practice I go to, there's at least four or five scouts. And And they're looking at him, Well, they're looking at Kingsley mainly. I mean, they they zoom (laughs) to Daryl Funk after practice like to get notes on Kingsley, but Who's the guy that's behind these offensive linemen? It's it's Keaton Slovis, so naturally you're going to watch him too. Kingsley, remember, he was a little bit banged up in and out of the game yesterday for BYU, and be, and still Keaton Slovis had a pocket to work with, and he operated it and performed quite nicely. And, and, and I think that it was also refreshing too to hear from Slovis that despite some of the early adversity that he's faced, He's embracing it. He still likes being at BYU, and he says he's having more fun than he's ever had, and he's been he's been wanting this so badly in his college football career. Again, saying things that I think buy him some grace from BYU fans. They're, they're really wanting this guy to succeed, and and I think he's, he's, he showed that he can be a very good quarterback for BYU. I just I don't know yet if what he did on Saturday translates to Arkansas, and I know Arkansas had their share of struggles. They, they were not a highly – high-performing uh, high team against Kent State. They had their own issues on Saturday. We've but all still. had problems with the flashes, Mitch. 
<laughs> but still, you know, Slovis, I, I think that, you know, he, he is a quarterback that's been productive. You don't get to 10,000 career passing yards in college football without without having some real talent. I know, he's but, got, you know, this last week was tough, too, because guess who else threw for 10,000 yards in his career before he transferred in? The Charlie Brewer ghosts were sneaking up this week, <laughs> and people were trying to exercise those ghosts before it even happened. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is the type of performance where Keaton Slovis goes, I'm not going to hear any of that. And I'm not going to hear the the footsteps of the of the Jake Redslaff talk either. <laughs> and honestly, like that that has to take a lot of uh a lot of pressure off of him. How about Jay's Hill, Jay Hill's defense? Uh I thought Southern Utah did a really, really nice job of of, you know, putting some scores up. Their quarterbacks, uh I get to, it's not often you get to do this. He's like seventy five years old. He's got three grandkids, I think. <laughs> Isn't that nice? But finally yeah. put that on the other foot there. Uh but he's I think that they did a really, really good job. I really like what they're doing, and this is not like the fake praise. I just I interviewed their coach this week, Coach Fitzgerald, and had a, like a twenty minute conversation with him. I went, dude, he's changing everything down there, and he's made everything turn around very, very quickly. And Jay Hill goes, look, we're gonna attack these guys. Didn't see the pressure that you love that you wanted to see in the in in the form of sacks, lots of hurries, lots of quarterback hits. I still want to see those sack numbers go yeah, up. Yeah, zero sacks. That's a number that you can't like. And Jay Hill called him out. They, he wants his defense to get more sacks. He hasn't been shying away saying sacks don't matter like previous regimes. He's been saying, I need sacks. And to only get zero, I thought the second half the defense was underwhelming. I thought they regressed. I thought they looked a lot more like the defense we saw last year where moving the chains, long, methodical drives – the new clock rolls seem to have an impact on BYU's offense getting limited opportunities. BYU would have scored 50 points in this game had the defense got a few more stops in the second half because SUU, first drive of the second half, over the top on a starting safety in Malik Moore. You can't have that happen. It was also notable, too, from the defense, two key guys getting held out for the opening drive, Eddie Hecker and Malik Moore. Kalani, that, was, that was a question that was asked during the press conference. Kalani well. was saying, you know, Jay wanted to send a message, and, and you got to be responsible. And what is that then? Why? Well, I, I mean, they clearly rule had breaking? To violate some sort of team rule. Maybe they showed up late to a team meeting and said, "Hey, you, you do this, and you take this for granted. You're you're going to miss time, and it cost BYU. Cost them three points on having Heckard and Malik Moore in that opening drive. Mm. So." That's a good message because BYU, there was a lot more finger-pointing last year. They, they they couldn't handle adversity, and, well, this was a lesson learned for those guys. Whatever they did, uh, Jay Hill you know, put, t- took time away from them. We'll come back. We've got more to go here as we bring you the rest of uh, this first hour of First and 12. Thanks for joining us on a Sunday. We're going to have our uh, – we've got all sorts of things going on. We've got our power rankings. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do we have our power rankings coming up next hour? You don't want to miss that. And one of us made the bold prediction this last week of Texas going into Alabama and getting an upset. I mean, I don't want to do a victory lap yet, but, I mean, Mitch might be doing the victory lap himself. What would you call it last week? All right, all right. (laughs) I'm feeling pretty good. T-Town. All right, we'll come back and we'll talk about that Texas-Alabama. Hey, Paul! (laughs) Featured game of the week. Stay with us. Can't get enough BYU football? Listen to Cougar Nation. Mitch Harper takes your calls Monday nights from 6 to 7 on KSL News Radio. Podcast at KSLNewsradio.com. Welcome back. It is first and 12. Alex Keery, Mitch Harper. Happy Sunday to you. Thanks for being with us as we break down everything that happened in the Big 12. Heavy, of course, discussion on the local teams here who are already in the Big 12 or will soon be in the Big 12. The featured game of the week, of course, 
Uh, is that Texas-Alabama game, and all of this, by the way, brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store. Happy shopping, everybody. That uh, It was such a big one. I'll tell you that Sark showed up. I'll tell you what Texas has that Alabama does not have. Quinn Ewers is a quarterback. That's right, and he is. And the thing is is that Texas, how, getting this win over Alabama, the schedule sets up quite well. You go Wyoming at home next week, that's going to be a win. I know they got Texas Tech, but Baylor on the road, that doesn't look as daunting. Kansas, and then Red River uh, in Dallas. This is setting up well to where I don't know which game, if any, Texas is going to be not the favorite. So it, it was a big win. It was a big breakthrough for Texas. I know Big 12 fans probably not thrilled about that. And, look, they could still slip up. This league has done that. K-State is definitely the team that could do it in November. Uh, but uh, big win for the Longhorns and Quinn Ewers having the deep threat, too. You know, he hadn't he didn't have, have a TD pass going into that game his whole career, more than 20 yards. He had a 35-yard bomb to A.D. Mitchell. That was some nice uh, play through the air for Texas, and uh, that's why they got the win. He had that. Did you see the 44-yarder, though, that he put over the top to Xavier Worthy because it was this floater that looked a la Russell Wilson, my guy, uh, former Seahawk, now Bronco, where he just he, – he lofted that thing. Actually, they're playing it right now as we're watching it. You could get, go back and look. But he would just loft these balls up. He throws one He throws one to Mitchell. He throws the exact same type pass as Xavier Worthy. And Texas starts to run it up on him. But the real thing is, is that – Jalen Milrow is not a quarterback yet for in that system. He is not Bryce Young. You can't be. You can't ask those guys. I mean, they're just pumping out so many dang good quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow's got a long way to go, uh, and I know that uh, I know he's probably one of the best athletes on the field. But I mean, Alabama didn't have it yet. That might be the reason that they fall this year is because they just don't have that that steady go at quarterback like they've had. They've been able to rely on anybody showing up and going in. This has been the first time with Milrow that they don't really have a guy that is a Bryce Young type dude. So. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how this is, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, I wasn't really a Quinn Ewers believer, uh, even though he kind of grew up in the same area that I didn't. He went to South Lake Carroll. I go, oh yeah, those Carroll kids, man. Maybe just because I assume they're snotty and 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 they're just like maybe they're not they don't play nearly as well. But I'll tell you, uh, Quinn Ewers is exactly what everybody advertised now. So you can see also why it was a pretty easy choice for uh, Sark to put him in at the uh, starting quarter. We thought the Texas arrogance was bad before this win. It's oh, going to be nuts gosh. this week. We got to take a break though. Big 12 power rankings, you probably know. Well, you already know who's going to be number one. (laughs) But how does the rest of the power rankings shake out? Myself, Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, we'll break it down next. It's first and 12 here on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone.